the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. I'm in a bad mood. I'm going to warn you now. I'm in a bad mood. Not happy. I'm not really in a bad mood. I'm in a fine mood. It's great to be with you. Great to have you listening. Uh, for those of you that listen as a podcast and other ways, thank you very much for getting this. I get some texts and emails from folks all the time uh, that have listened uh, and uh, are listening all over the country. But um, we're grateful for The Answer San Diego and our listeners there support this great work. Andrea Kay, just before me, on the, does a great job too. So good to be with you. Good to be with you. And the Pro America Report, we got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to talk about because people are acting un-Pro America. That's not right. They're acting not Pro America, and um, we've got a visit about that. So remember now. If you want to find out more about what we do every day, you can get an email from me. If you go to edmartinlive.com, edmartinlive.com, fill in the block there, give me your email address, I'll send you an email. It comes out at 5 a.m. West Coast time, 5 a.m. You get an email from me that gives you what you need to know, which is what we also call this first segment, the wink, Y, excuse me, W-Y-N-K. We dropped the two, what well, you need to know, wink. So, And uh, we got a lot to cover uh, today. In fact, I'm going to talk a little bit about Roger Stone, my old friend Roger Stone, again, because it's still around. Um, And uh, we'll talk a little bit about um, uh, the uh, General Flynn situation also. And in a few moments, we'll interview a guy uh, who is running for Congress against Nancy Pelosi. And usually I'd say, man, that's a long shot. But Nancy Pelosi's so toxic. This gentleman's going to have some money to run. And San Francisco's a mess. And you just never know. I think it's going to be a wave. I think people are going to be frustrated. So we'll talk with John Dennis in just a few a few minutes. D-E-N-N-I-S. John Dennis. Go to johndennis.com. All right. But before we get to that, I'll touch on Nancy Pelosi. I was in the U.S. House chamber today up in the gallery this morning for the vote on uh, that Nancy Pelosi put forward to remove the deadline put on the Equal Rights Amendment in 1976. That's right. There was an amendment. Uh, there was a deadline put onto the Equal Rights Amendment in 1976, extending the deadline to 1982 from 1979. So follow me, if you will. The ERA, Equal Rights Amendment, was proposed in the early 1970s, passed in 1972. At that time, it had a deadline of seven years. As the seven-year deadline came closer and was clearly going to be, they weren't going to ratify the amendment by then, people sought, uh, the proponents sought to change the deadline to 1982, and they did, supposedly, although it was being challenged in the court when, in 1982, everything expired, okay? So let me be clear on a couple things. This is what you need to know. This is your lesson on what is the ERA and what is what would it do and what's going on now. Okay, so number one, the Equal Rights Amendment would put into the Constitution and would purport to give equal rights for women. That's not what it does. Women are not mentioned. Men are not mentioned in the Constitution by name. And but because of the practicalities of lots of discrimination and all until the 14th Amendment, there wasn't perhaps protection. But there's protection for everybody now under the 14th Amendment. But the Equal Rights Amendment would cur what it would really do. And this is admitted 
by the National Association of Reproductive Rights, or NARAL, and I say it, the pro-abortion groups, they all gathered around and they said, we must pass the Equal Rights Amendment because it will enshrine in the Constitution a right for, to abortion that must be paid with tax dollars because you cannot discriminate on, on account of sex and a woman only a woman can get pregnant. You have to let her have an abortion. This is what they say, not me, not you, not pro-lifers. The other thing it would do, and these are just two of the aspects, but two big ones, it'd be the end of all women's sports. Women's sports would be over. Women's schools would be over. All girls, anything would be over. Guys, dudes would be able to go transgender and force their way. Transgender rights, they admit this, would now be in the Constitution and protected. Transgender would be able to do everything they want in women's locker rooms, in girls' locker rooms, etc. So this is a bad idea. This is a this is a uh, bad idea in search of a uh, of a problem. There is no problem in America. All the problems that have to do with people mistreating each other can be addressed without changing the Constitution to protect abortion. So that's what this would do. But you say to yourself, why is this being proposed you know, right now? Well, Nancy Pelosi is again. She's not playing. She's not looking to lead. She's playing politics. She's not looking to pass things. She's playing politics. The sham impeachment was political revenge. It was an act of political revenge, not a constitutional action. This vote today, which is purports to take away the deadline, will do nothing, and it won't pass. No less a figure than, as I mentioned yesterday, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the justice who, as a lay lawyer before she was a judge, she pursued abortion, that was her big thing, and the Equal Rights Amendment. She loved it. And on Monday, three days ago, she said, yeah, this isn't going to work. You can't do what they're trying to do. you got to start again. That's what she said, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And then they ignored it. The left ignored it. They, no, at least the left didn't say, oh, she must have lost it. She's crazy. They, didn't have, they had the, they had the uh, discipline to not say that, although they probably thought it. But the fact is, it, this is a dumb idea. Why is it Pelosi's just feeding the frenzy of the feminist left and trying to make it seem like everybody's against her? Because in your ear, equal rights, well, who's against equal rights? As a famous um, um, essay that Phyllis Schlafly wrote back in the day on this. So here's the trouble. Here's the trouble. And we'll get to the trouble. Here's what you need to know. It's a political play. It's an abortion play. It's a tax dollars for abortion play. That's all that this is, the ERA today, this vote. And yet the vote passed out of the House. It won't go anywhere in the Senate. It, they've already told us uh, that the senators have said they will stop it. People like uh, uh, people like uh, Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and others have said they will stop it. And um, and the uh, um, and the uh, and, and it's not going anywhere. So that's not it's not non-starter. The president says he doesn't want it. I mean, we it's not a, it's a non-starter. So what are they doing? Well, they're doing it for for politics. But here's the problem, and here's a, it's a big problem. Five Republicans fell for this jive. Five Republicans. And these people are traitors. They're traitors to the Republican Party. They're traitors to the pro-life position. John Curtis of Utah, Utah 3. Rodney Davis, Illinois 13. Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania 1. Congressman Fitzpatrick. What a fraud. He says he's a conservative. These are all Republicans. Tom Reed, New York 23. And Jeff Van Drew, New Jersey 2. He was just a Democrat till a week ago or a month ago or whatever. So maybe that's not surprising. But five uh, Republicans went against pro-life. They totally went against it. And Brian Fitzpatrick of, uh, of Philadelphia is the worst. These are traitors to life. Good for Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise for keeping the rest of the caucus because they stood on the floor of the House. I was there for the argument today. And they said, oh, this is about our daughters. It's about our daughters. If you love your wife and you love your daughter, you should do this. It's about our daughters. It was outrageous. Not about our daughters. Nothing about their daughters. 
Congressman Collins, Doug Collins of Georgia, who was is the judiciary's uh, ranking member for the minority, that's the Republicans, he handled the, the floor debate, and he finished the closing argument, and it was awesome. He walked through how this protection for abortion, requiring tax dollars of the ERA, what it would mean. And I didn't see it coming, but he, he at the in the middle of his closing remarks, he said, and I want to tell you a story here. You tell me I'm supposed to think about my daughter. That's what you keep lecturing me about. That's what the Pelosi and the gang were saying. He said, let me tell you about my daughter. She's 27 years old and she has spinal bifida. And when she, my wife was pregnant and they found that she had spinal bifida, they, they said, we, we decided, what are we going to do? We're, you know, do we need to put in different kinds of uh, uh, things in our house, adjust our lives? And one of my wife's colleagues where she was a teacher said, you know, you have a choice. You can get rid of that baby. I didn't say that. I said, you can have an abortion. And he said, and, and then he read the statistics. In, in parts of Europe, they brag about the fact that they've eliminated Down syndrome children, literally eliminated them by selective abortions. And he said his daughter, who works uh, who works and is uh, wheelchair bound, but has a great life and is meaningful part of his life. And he's supposed to believe that it's OK to let all the restrictions on abortion be ta- swept away by the ERA. That's what it would do. And he went on. It was it was a very powerful talk. It was a very powerful way to close the argument. And there are lots of other reasons why it's not a good idea to do the the, the ERA. And if you go to uh, phyllisschlafly.com, which is the organization I head up called the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, you can see uh, Phyllis wrote about it. There's there's constitutional arguments. There's arguments about how we do have preferences in our laws for families and especially for uh, married couples. And we all that would be swept away. There's lots of arguments that women in combat, it wouldn't be just possible to have women in combat. The, the Constitution would demand that you make every single position in combat be gender neutral, sex neutral. And that's another thing. The Supreme Court's handling, looking at cases about gender. If gender, if sex, the word sex in the law becomes defined by gender, it's even more of a free for all. So it's a terrible idea, but honing in on the reality of abortion and honing in on the reality of transgender uh, men getting uh, destroying women's sports, girls' sports. I mean, I have two daughters and two sons. My oldest is, uh, daughter is uh, 15, almost 16, and she loves playing sports. And she's good, pretty good. She loves, she loves basketball, volleyball. She loves it, and it's fun to see. It's fun to see the girls compete. I mean, I don't particularly like to watch uh, WNBA basketball. At that level, it seems to me I'd just rather watch the men, pro men's or, or, or uh, even, frankly, in terms of entertainment, I like watching men's NCAA basketball more than women's. But it's really great for my daughter to compete. All that would be gone. Transgender dudes would go into the league. In fact, my daughter's in a private school. And last year, the league that her team was in, her little all-girls school was in, uh, they, they said they're going uh, to not forbid transgender from competing and my daughter's school quit that uh, league because they weren't going to have the girls play against guys who say they're girls or whatever it is. So this is what's going on right now. This is the, this is the situation. And we have people like Doug Collins who are fighting back. And then we have traitors like these other guys, John Curtis of Utah, supposed Republican, Utah three, shame on you, John Curtis, Rodney Davis, Republican, supposedly from Illinois 13, Brian Fitzpatrick, supposed Republican from Pennsylvania 1. Tom Reed, supposed Republican from New York 23. And Jeff Andrew, supposedly brand new Republican from New Jersey 2. These guys are traitors to life. They're traitors to the life position, and they sh- it should be called out on. They should be primary. They should have opponents. They should not be allowed. They shouldn't allow them to stand. That's what you need to know. ERA won in the House, one little vote. It's not going anywhere. But we smoked out some real traitors to life. And we're not going to forget it. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about a guy running for Congress against Nancy Pelosi, John Dennis. 
I'll take a quick break. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. We'll be right back. The Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is fascinating to discover this. It doesn't happen that often, but every now and then. John Dennis, and he's running for Congress. We'll hear about that in a minute, but he's had this hugely successful career. He was a, a, and he was a real estate developer for decades now, but he also was uh, early on in some of the tech stuff, and he was a, a uh, employ- ran a big company that did uh, design and, and as well as uh, furniture, all sorts of stuff, and uh, headed up as the chairman, the San Francisco Republican Party, where I didn't know how many of the Republicans there would have been there. But anyway, also, more importantly than anything, he went to the same high school I did in Jersey City. So he's all the way up in San Francisco. I'm in Northern Virginia, and the show here is on in San Diego, John, and then, of course, all across the country. So welcome, John Dennis, to the program. How are you today? It's my pleasure, Ed. Thanks for having me. So, John, what's it like to be a Republican in San Francisco? I bet there's a pocket of good guys and gals, but it must still be kind of a funny business. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, it's not. I, I wouldn't call it uh, a social climbing uh, revelation or a uh, you know something, something that's going to you know help your help your career. But you know, you just have to. You got to be who you are. And um, you know, I felt like for the years that I wasn't you know out involved and active in politics, I was sort of living in the shadows because uh, I didn't agree with what was going on here. And um, you know, but sort of had to pretend to keep my head down about it. And then finally, when I came out, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not with this program. I believe in other things. And it just actually, in a way, it enhanced my life, uh, make, you know, brought me out of the shadows and into the light. And it's worked out for me. Well, and there's a story from about uh, four or five days ago about Antifa, Antifa uh, coming mm-hmm. after you. And uh, and um, uh, tell first of all, tell us that you're running in the district. It's Nancy Pelosi's district. I think there's a primary. But um, tell us about, first of all, why you're running and what you're doing and what happened in the last week or so. Well, why I'm running, I mean, it's, it's for my own personal sanity. Rather than uh, screaming at the uh, television screen or the computer monitor, uh, it uh, makes it uh, makes it a little easier for me to get out and vent my, uh, you know, my frustration <laughs> out on the campaign trail. So, so that helps me. Uh, and, um, yeah, you know, I'm trying to – I think that one of the reasons why this town has failed is because this one-party one party business doesn't work. Um, you know, people get uh, full of themselves. They, they they have no ability to self-reflect when when their party is the one that's dominant and is running things. And so, San Francisco desperately needs a Republican voice. So, trying to build it up here. Uh, I'm also the chairman of the San Francisco Republican Party, um, and we've actually grown registration. And that's one of the other goals too: is to be high profile, to keep uh, you know keep our names on the ballot, and uh, you know to, to grow the Republican voice. And um, yeah, we do have a primary. We have. That uh, we have a jungle primary, that open primary thing, where only the the two people, the top two people, get the most votes, are the only two that end up going through on the ballot in November, um, and that that primary is coming up on on March third. Huh. Is uh, oh so coming fast? It's so just a few. It's just uh, yeah, uh, less yeah. than four weeks away. Um, John, what's your? How, how do you? I looked at your website, and and uh, you know, you're you're on the issues. You're sort of uh, you sort of t- seems to me to be classic sort of Trump. You know, uh, in terms of the the issues of immigration and kind of uh, and all. But how do you run on that in in that district? I mean, I guess you do it fearlessly and you don't worry about it. But is it? Are you finding people that are saying, "Hey, I want to be with you. I'm I'm sick of." 
Pelosi. I'm sick of the direction. What's give us some sense of of um, you know what um, uh, what the reaction? I mean, funny. I'm sorry to interrupt myself, but I'm looking at your foreign policy statement on your website, which is johndennis.com, johndennis.com, and you're saying you know we don't need to be uh, we had a strong defense, but we don't need unnecessary wars. That that you know used to be the Democrats wanted us to be an anti-war and and stop. And Pelosi's been a part of all that stuff. What, how, how's the reaction been to you running as a sort of looks like a Trumpian uh, Republican? What's the, what's your what's the response there? Well, you know, I've, I've got a reputation here over the years. I'm pretty libertarian. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm coming from that wing of the party. I'm also <laughs> the vice chairman of a national uh, Republican organization called the Republican Liberty Caucus. We have about 60,000 members. And, um, you know, we, we represent that liberty wing of the Republican Party, the kind of Ron Paul, Barry Goldwater part of the party. Actually, what used to be the core of the, of the party, you know, in the, you know, the pre, uh, pre-Buckley years, pre-Eisenhower. Mm-hmm. So, um, so... Yeah, the, the the reaction for me is, uh, you know, it's good and it's bad. I mean, I just had recently had a San Francisco city supervisor block me on Twitter. <laughs> so <laughs> there's that. Uh, but then yeah. uh, and on Instagram. Uh, but then, uh, you know, other people just like, yeah, listen, he's a Republican. That's it. That's where he stands. And, they, you know, they leave me alone or they say or the or in certain circumstances, they come up, and they go, hey, I'm a Republican, too. Or, you know, I vote as a Republican, even though I'm a Democrat, you know, and I'm trying right. to encourage those people to follow, you know, follow my example and have them come out of the come out of the shadows, too. And because I think, you know. That's what we need. We need more people to step up and trying to be that kind of that beacon that shows people, you know, you can do this. It's not going to kill you. Yeah, we're talking with John Dennis, and uh, John Dennis is a businessman, and he's a uh, the head of the uh, San Francisco Republican Party. You mentioned, and he's running for Congress. JohnDennis.com running against Nancy Pelosi. It's funny you say that, John. I tell people I ran for Congress twice, and and I tell people that uh, it is a uh, it is a ra- part of it's two things. One is the race, the campaign, and then when you win. I, no, I didn't win. I, I went run for went for one for chairman of the party in Missouri, but but the, the campaign is its own sort of ministry, and you have to take it that way, and you have to say I'm going to figure out how to win, but I'm also going to make a difference every day. People want to relate to what's happening in uh, in elections, and when they just see the incumbent with all the money, no real challengers, no real energy, it's dis- it's disheartening, right? It's, it's not the way it should be. So congratulations for doing that. Now, I noticed I was with Rand Paul yesterday, Senator Rand Paul, over at the Trump uh, headquarters. There was a kind of small meeting. In fact, you would have been very comfortable. as a about nine libertarians, me, and I'm mm. not a libertarian, I'm a, I'm, I'm, and so it was, and Rand was teasing. He said, we're having a social, I mean, we're having a conservative libertarian meeting and he looked at me, said the conservative, you know. So, but anyway, uh, the uh, and also uh, we love Tom Massey, and both those guys have endorsed you, which is a great indication of uh, of what. Uh, you're about and what you're backing, you know, that means something to recognize, hey, shorthand, this is what the guy's doing. What happens after March 3rd? Let's pretend you win. Do you Can you get her to get in a slugfest with you? We're talking about your opponent, Nancy Pelosi. Or do you think she does that incumbent thing where she ignores everybody? Uh, well, she'll, she'll try to ignore me this time. But just a quick quick aside, though, I've actually got Rand coming out yeah. here on, uh, we're going we're gonna to have him here Sunday, Monday. Did he tell you that he's going to be here? No, no, I didn't know. I didn't know to talk about okay. this. No, yeah, it's great. Yeah. That'll be great. Yeah, he, yeah. He, can, he can't be. He, 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 so. Yeah, he, he campaigned for me in Missouri. Uh, I was actually attorney general nominee for about two days. He's phenomenal, as you know. He People just like He's a doctor. They just like him. He's a likable guy. So that's good. Well, that's great. That, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. So what will Pelosi do? Do you think she'll take the bait? Can you goad her into a real fight? Because you might have a chance then. 
Oh, yeah. Well, so here's so, you know, in years past, she would just ignore whoever she was running against. But, you know, I have to tell you, the social media thing is a is a whole new powerful tool that I never took advantage of. But since Labor Day, I have actually two Twitter accounts. Uh, the main one that mm-hmm. people should follow is at at real John Dennis at real John Dennis on Twitter. If you combine the two accounts, I'm up to about seventy five thousand followers. I had five hundred on Labor Day. So, wow. you know, there's power there. I mean, you can, you know, you can, you know, basically you can, you can do all kinds of things. You can basically become an, an you know, an assignment editor in a, in a, in a paper, because if your group gets going, you know, they, you know, they're, they're, they're blasting the, the, the Twitter sphere and, and, you know, mainstream media needs to take notice. For example, we had this business last week where we were uh, doing a cleanup here in San Francisco. Did you hear about this? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. With our old friend, Scott so, Pressler. I love Pressler, yeah. Yeah, so we, he came out, you know, as a part, party chairman, organizer with him. And, you know, we had people come in from all over the Bay Area. We had soccer moms. And, you know, we had mm-hmm. a guy, a, a you know, gay conservative come in from, from Utah, Mormon. And we had people, and, and we took a picture, and it's all these different colors of people and all races, you know, religions. And we're just going out and doing this peaceful cleanup thing. We're documenting how tough things are. Well, the supervisor from that district didn't particularly care for us embarrassing him. So he... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he and some other people put out a tweet saying, you know, there are hateful Trump people, you know, doing a, you know, a, a far right, uh, you know, cleanup stunt. Go out there and, you know, and protest them, basically. And um, next thing you know, I hear this is like Malie at our meeting point. I have to go back there. And, uh, you know, they're, the, the Antifa people are there harassing the soccer moms. <laughs> and there was one wow. guy in particular who was being, you know, you know, really aggressive gross grabbing himself you know spewing vulgarities trying to pick fights with people to intimidate and then you know you know where i'm from so i walked up yeah. to him and I tried to, you know i just yeah, yeah. you know i wanted to i wanted to just diffuse him because it was just he was clearly the alpha dog there and um right uh, any, anyway, so I went up to him and I talked to him, I tried to talk to him, and then he said, and his first you know, re- reply to me was, I want you dead. And then um, mm. it really sort of devol- devolved from there. I mean, I just tried to continue yeah. to engage him, but at one point he knew I wasn't going to take the bait, so then he got up into my face and he said, when these tar- cameras get turned off, I'm going to F you up. And, wow. and I said, I said wow. go ahead and try it. And anyway, yeah. Oh, there's a video of it. There's there's a video. You go to Outfield John Dennis. It's pinned up at the top. You don't have to look hard. Okay, it's only 56 seconds long, but um, you know it's right. been viewed 800,000 yeah. times since since last week. 800,000 times. And wow. that's what we face. In, that's what we face in San Francisco. One thing I've been trying to explain to people is that you know if if we wanted to be firm with people, you could probably get into like 10 confrontations a day like that as a Republican <laughs> in San Francisco. It wouldn't right. be that hard right. uh, because people just right. feel like it's okay to, uh, you know, to intimidate you because you're a party affiliation. But listen, we got to stand up. We can't, you know, we can't let guys like that behave like that. And not everybody has to stand up to him, but somebody has to. And um, yep. anyway, that's what that, that's what happened. And I would you know, go, go look at your audience. You go look at that video and see for themselves what happened. Well, 
Well, I I will, and we're talking again with John Dennis and JohnDennis.com. That's J O H N D E N N I S dot com, and I'll put it up on social media too. I got her. I just was while you were talking. I got my Twitter account open, and I, I followed you, and I'll make sure to uh, retweet that tweet, and we'll get it out there. Listen, John, thanks for uh, running. First of all, thank you for running against Nancy Pelosi. People, I hope they support you. I think you're doing the right thing. People are going to watch this country in the next nine months or so, and want to see not only how. Trump and others win, but how uh, people give each other a chance to build hope, as Scott Pressler did when he came out there. So keep us in the loop on it as we get closer to March 3rd. Good luck on that. And as soon as you win that, and it's head-to-head. Let's make some hay on that, and we'll see what we can do. i gotta, I got to run, though. John Dennis, at, go to johndennis.com. Real John Dennis is on Twitter, at Real John Dennis. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be right back. The Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here to Pro-America Report. We need to do an update. Uh, very interesting to hear John Dennis there. We need to do an update on Roger Stone. Roger Stone update. Uh, I was, I, I've told some of you before that I have... I, I guess I'm friends with him. I've only met him in person maybe... I don't know, two or three times. I talked to him on the phone a number of times. And in the last year or so, since all this trouble's gone on, I've been uh, someone who texts with him somewhat regularly. And I heard from him um, um, in the last few days and, and uh, not since the sort of news broke. But let, let's break down a couple of these details on Roger Stone, okay? Roger Stone, as we've talked about, was convicted of basically lying to try to stop the Russia, Russia, Russia Mueller coup. Now, I don't know all the details, but that was what he was convicted of. And he went to a jury trial and he said, no, I didn't actually lie. And, 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 and so he got convicted. And so then the prosecutors, four of them who've since quit, uh, basically said, oh, yeah, yeah, this is, this is a guy that lied and it put people in danger. It's terrible. He deserves seven to nine years in prison. Now, you, there have been people who are, are um, rapists, uh, bank robbers who've used guns in the bank robbery that get less time than that. So it was odd. And immediately, uh, Attorney General Barr said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We're going to reset that. We're not going to ask for that much time. And the president tweeted about it and said, what the heck's going on here? That would all be interesting enough. And you've heard a lot about that. I mean, that is a, that's, a, that's a big deal. I, as I said uh, over and over again, and I did an interview on this earlier today, the President of the United States is in charge of the executive branch. That includes all the prosecutors. He's not in charge of the judicial branch. That's the judge. So the judge... A woman named Jackson, she has life tenure, can't be removed, and she's in her own uh, separate branch of government. He, President Trump can do nothing to her there. She has the right and the role to sentence somebody for a crime or whatever it is. She has to f- abide by the certain regulations and rules and all. You know, you can't sentence somebody for uh, 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 um, for jaywalking and give them death penalty, right? There's a reason that she can get overruled, but that's a separate branch. The president has a right, though. In his branch, he was elected. It's not, there's no bureaucrats that serve forever because they just happen to be, uh, you know, good bureaucrats or something. All those people in the Justice Department work for President Trump. He's allowed to complain if he doesn't like what they did. And he did. It's not that common. It's not common at all, actually. But this idea, this modern notion that somehow the president of the United States must defer to career bureaucrat prosecutors is insane. It's extra constitutional. It leads to a dictatorship of bureaucracy and a deep state, which is why they want it. So the president did the right thing by weighing in yesterday and tweeting about how it seemed like that was really too, too big, uh, the, the sentence. But here's the more interesting thing now. 
Roger Stone made a motion saying one of the jurors on his jury trial was uh, was biased. And the judge denied that the other day. I think it was recently, maybe in the last few days. But it has since come to light in the last 24 hours that the foreman, actually four women, the foreman on every jury, there will be a foreman elected. In this case, it's a four woman. A woman was not only a Democrat candidate for, I think, Congress in Tennessee, where she was from. She's not only a lawyer. And she gets herself elected foreman, which is kind of a popularity contest. When you get in a room, you say, who's going to be in charge here? And there's a lawyer there. It's a woman, African-American, not that that matters, but it's also all factors. But here's the thing that's incredible. I mean, I don't know why she was allowed to serve on that jury. Somebody missed that one. But here's the incredible part about this. She was on social. So, oh, she yesterday went on Facebook and said, I have to speak up. I'm so surprised and devastated that these four prosecutors quit. That's not how the process is. I was the forewoman of this thing and it shouldn't go like this. Well, it turns out that she put herself out there and now we know who she is. She was tweeting and social media posting during the trial. This is the reports that are out there. I've seen some of it. And. At the beginning of the trial, she had to swear under oath that she didn't know who Roger Stone was. And she was retweeting tweets that talked about Roger Stone. She was a never, not a never Trumper. She was an anti-Trumper. She was a resistance person. Now, you can't, you, you, we have to have juries where people have different political views. There's, I'm not saying that you can have a jury. The pur- purpose of a jury is not to get everyone who has no views. That would just be getting like a bunch of dullards who have no opinions. But there's a point where having knowledge of things and being biased go further, you know, it, it, you get further along towards bias and you have to say that's not the point. So you don't take a poll and say, would you like to serve on a jury? Did you vote for Hillary or Trump? And, and only, only people that don't vote get to be on there. Of course not. But when you're an activist, lawyer, former candidate, and you're on social media promoting the idea of the Russia hoax and all this kind of stuff, there's a point where, and you're the jury forewoman, you're the foreman of the jury, which means you kind of, you come back from you, you the interaction with the judge, you go back and forth, and when you come back from these judges, there's going to be someone who sort of explains what it is. The natural leader is the foreman. If you've seen some of these movies, 12 Angry Men is one famous movie, there's lots of other ones. So how do we have, what do we have now? And uh, someone tweeted this earlier today, and uh, and I, I then went and looked. This is a great question. Leave it to Geraldo Rivera. You know, Geraldo Rivera has been a pretty uh, interesting and astute observer of American uh, life in general for since the 1960s when he was just a kid, when he was like in his 20s. And Geraldo Rivera said, um, you know, these four prosecutors that quit, that because they didn't like the fact that they didn't get to recommend nine years in jail for a, a nonviolent, non-crime. And Geraldo said, why were four prosecutors on that case? Four high-profile prosecutors. I mean, this is like getting like two of your best detectives on a jaywalking case. I mean, you know, putting putting four policemen on a jaywalking case is a little bit what it, I, this is my, that's my analogy, and it's not imperfect. But Geraldo brought that up. So now what do we have? We have, uh, you know, 50, 75 million dollars spent on the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. They find nothing. But along the way, they find people like Roger Stone, who is, yeah, I mean, he's definitely was trying to stop the coup. He was definitely trying to stop people. And he's convicted of, I think, lying to Congress and, uh, and sort of, and, and whatever. And at the end of the day, again, he, whether he did or didn't, I never looked closely. I don't know, except to say this. He's definitely in a ringer, not because he cheated on his taxes like Manafort did. Manafort wouldn't have been prosecuted probably if it hadn't been for his help of helping Trump. But be that as it may, there were real crimes there. 
Stone was just being prosecuted because he was a president's supporter who didn't kowtow and roll over. And, and the same thing, by the way, with Flynn now. They rolled Flynn because they wanted to try to get Flynn out and, and got him. They talked him into some sort of plea, which he's now recanted. But back to Stone. Roger Stone is targeted and now and and in this process now it's a completely tainted process there's no one in america that can look now and say the jury foreman of a trial of of a roger stone was an anti-roger stone person and the judge is willing to look the other way outrageous it's outrageous if i'm roger stone by the way i'm turning to my lawyers and saying how come nobody knew this you know, how come somebody didn't know this? Now, some of it is because the person was, the, the forewoman, this woman who's come out in public and brought her name out. There's no whistleblower here. She brought her own name out. She was actually during the trial doing these some of these social media. So maybe the lawyers weren't in real time watching some of these people. But the simple fact of the matter is, this is an outrage. And if there was, and before this, I was arguing that Roger Stone should be pardoned, before, long before this. But at this point, there's just no doubt that Roger Stone, General Flynn, they should be pardoned immediately. The president shouldn't wait anymore. I don't know whether he's waiting for the process to proceed out of respect for the process. You know, wait till the conviction, if there's a sentencing. But this is outrageous. It absolutely, positively needs to be ended right now. And this president needs to do it because it doesn't matter that the media and 25% of the people will say it's wrong. Americans need to know that you can't, you won't let this happen to people. They won't let this happen to, you know, people that are happen to be in the way. Nobody did anything except be in the way of the deep state. And it's got to stop. So I, and I think the president knows that. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back and wrap things up. we got a lot more. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, go to The Answer San Diego. Find the show as a podcast. Go wherever you get podcasts on uh, iTunes, Google Play. You'll find it. It's, uh, it's available. So go there and do it. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. We'll be right back. The Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Great to have you with me. And uh, I am looking now at your a text from one of you. It's actually, I'm embarrassed to, embarrassed to admit, from Monday, uh, Tim uh, sent me a text and said, coronavirus update, uh, question mark, which uh, I'll take up in a second. And then I recalled now, about a week ago, I had an exchange with one of the listeners who was talking about Huawei. Of course, Qualcomm, a San Diego company right there, is uh, in competition in many ways with Huawei, the Chinese. Chinese uh, uh, state-run or state-owned uh, uh, telecommunications giant, and the problem uh, that's uh, developing with the UK, uh, uh, the Boris Johnson and his administration have said that they will use Huawei for 5G, or at least for part of their infrastructure, and uh, people are kind of worried that that won't turn out well, and as well they should. It's a, t- a terrible idea. Um, so, but here, let me let me point you in a different direction on both of these. I want to encourage you. You know, I love books. And I want to encourage you to get a book uh, that's been out for, let me make sure how long it's been out, but it's a, the, the name of the author in this book is Robert Spaulding. Robert Spaulding is a retired brigadier general, a, re- a retired brigadier general uh, from the Air Force. He flew stealth fighters in, um, in, uh, the, out of Missouri, actually. When I was, um, when I was living in Missouri, I would, we would, whenever we were in Kansas City, you'd see them, uh, the uh, stealth bombers come up off that base. They're incredible. They look like uh, bats. 
rats, you know, and he flew those. And so he wrote a book called Stealth War, Stealth War. And I should say his co-author is a guy named Seth uh, Kaufman, because co-authors sometimes get ignored and that's not nice. Yeah, the book was just published uh, the last six months of last year. So it's called Stealth War. I can't encourage you enough to get this book or read this book. If somebody has it, you can borrow it. I don't want to put, tell you you have to buy the book because I tell you, but I just have to tell you, it's an extraordinary book. One of the things I like about how the book, uh, about the book is how it's structured because it takes on these issues and it's about China and about China's efforts and specifically not just about China's efforts and China, China as a nation. It's specifically uh, and important to know uh, it's intentional. The book is called How China Took Over While America's Elite Slept. And when you get into the book, the, the table of contents, the way it's structured, it's kind of bite-sized pieces. You can less, sort of listen to one. I listen to it as a book on tape. Listen to one, I'll read one, and then sit there. It's kind of they're distinct enough that they're different topics, and you can digest them. But here's what you learn. The Chinese communists, which we know, the Chinese communists have a plan. or They have a command-control economy, command-control society, and they have a plan. And he goes through the plan, what they're doing on the economy, on the military— on digital, and then importantly, politics and diplomacy, which is very, very impressive, hearing what they're doing. And here's the other one uh, the, it, world domination via infrastructure. Infrastructure meaning, in particular, uh, the uh, Belt and Road Initiative, where literally China is paying trillions of dollars to third world and developing nations, and they go to them and they pay money to build their roads and bridges and then they own them and they have control you can imagine the influence and it's an extraordinary it's extraordinary um uh to hear to see that one i didn't know the infrastructure one as much uh, uh as as uh, this this chapter goes into and also the um education these confucius institutes that were set up on uh, dozens and dozens of college campuses and how they're influencing uh influencing things it's a really important book stealth st- stealth war and it's really worth your reading now the, I, part of the reason i tell you that is we're seeing um how china took over while america's elite slept and the penguin books uh, and Robert Spaulding is the name of the gen- retired uh, Brigadier General's name. And one of the reasons why it's so important and why you need to read this is because we're going to see the fruits of the problem. And we're not solving the problem by just the tariffs and some trade adjustments, the inf- intellectual property that we lost and was stolen, the infrastructure that's being built all over the world, the influence on our education system. It's all sort of coming due not sort of, it's coming due, and it's worth reading to understand exactly what's uh, gone on here, exactly what the um, the reality of what happened is, because it's extraordinary. It really is um, something. And also, I've started to dig into this. I'll talk about this tomorrow on the show. I hope I'll get some time. The, um, the number of drugs and the basics of drugs, we're talking about pharmaceuticals, that are made and or controlled by China... If China decided to sort of pull their the making of drugs, I'm talking about the chemical materials in drugs, America would run out of meds. I mean, we'd, we really would run out of meds. I will show you tomorrow on the show. I'll walk you through it because I'm reading that chapter and I'm going to try to get an expert on the show to talk about it because it's just outrageous. The dependence we have on China 
in ways you don't even know. It's not just all the cheap junk we buy and the fact that they manufacture stuff over there and it took jobs from here. That's all huge and big. And I'm not saying at all to, to shy away from it. I'm saying it's that's the beginning of the conversation. And when you start to move closer to some of these things like uh, pharmaceuticals, you uh, some of the uh, um, the technology now that China controls that they, they didn't they didn't develop, they stole from us and others, but now they control it. And they do it ruthlessly. They don't do it with a sense of Western ethics or a debate on who should do what. They do it absolutely ruthlessly. And that's what we're facing with the China question. So I, I do believe, I've come to really be convinced of this, and this Stealth War book has really been helpful for me to put uh, meat on the bones, that this is not just a rivalry with China. We're in the throes of a, a, um, a, a, an embrace, a, a, a death embrace that we've got to decouple. We've got to get understand what we've done and get ourselves away from the influence of uh, China and really do it. It's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take a lot more understanding than we have so far, but I think it's necessary. All right. Thank you, as always, to our great technical director, Noah. We've had a busy week, and he's been great about adjusting things. So when you enjoy the show seamlessly, it's because Noah got it done. Thank you to Joanna for helping to get our guests. And uh, don't worry, we'll be back tomorrow night. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report right here on The Answer, San Diego. Talk to you tomorrow night. The Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego.